Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and really I'm just here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That certainly means helping you improve your photographic skills and enabling you to become a stronger business owner, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We are sponsored by PhotographersEdit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca Podcast episode and a brand new guest, Nicola Dixon is here with me. Nicola, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Fellow podcaster, I just found out as well. <laughs> yes, a fellow over here in uh, cold, wintry England. Yes, I do have a podcast. Well, go ahead and share the information about your podcast with our listeners so they can check it out. So my podcast is called Learn to Launch, but it was once called um, Wild Ones, which is actually the name of my uh, workshop run. So it was Wild Ones for about a year. So it was um, very similar to yourself. It was a, a photography podcast sort of by a photographer. Um, and then as I've kind of transitioned my business, this literally just this sort of last couple of months, I relaunched the podcast as Learn to Launch. Interesting. Okay. So first of all, podcasts, I mean, obviously a very popular medium at this point for communication. It seemed like blogs were all the rage there for, you know, whatever, eight, 10 years. We've kind of transitioned. While blogs still have their place, podcasts are the new in thing. What made you specifically want to get into podcasting, which, you know, has become a relatively crowded space? Oh, gosh, that's true. So it really was like a good year ago. Um, I feel like it was October 2019. I'm just obsessed with podcasts. Like, I think it's, inc <laughs> it's incredible that they're free. Yeah. And as, as someone who kind of, well, I wouldn't say I grew up listening to them, but just really... Yeah, I just loved listening. So then I suppose I feel like it was really natural to be like, okay, I really want a slice of this. Like I really want to have my own podcast, but I just love them. It blows my mind that they're free. I spend a couple of hours every day. I have a dog, so I walk a huge amount because um, yeah. I have a very big active dog. What kind of dog? I have a Dalmatian. Oh, beautiful. A one-year-old Dalmatian. So yeah, she was the best thing about this year, actually, because I got her November end of wedding season last year, 2019. And obviously this year kind of meant I had the year off as it turns out. So <laughs> right. actually it was like the best thing I ever did. But yeah, through her, I spend a lot of time walking and therefore listening to podcasts. Um, I probably get most of my kind of knowledge, inspiration from podcasts. I just love them. I, and I mean, you're already, I, I, I get the sense that you're a natural conversationalist, but has it been a big learning curve as well, learning to host one? Yes, I was terrified. Uh, I think <laughs> with everything new that we do, it's uncomfortable and scary, but you kind yeah. of, we know that those, that kind of fear is, you, you know, you have to work through it. Otherwise, obviously you just never move forward. But um, yes, it was terrifying, like anything new. Yeah, it feels like a long time ago now. I mean, I still get scared, but I think that's where the growth is, is isn't it? You know, when you're scared, it means you just have to keep going. Yes, absolutely. I was just talking about this with another photographer. You know, I, I went skydiving a couple of times in years past. And that initial jump out of the plane, at first, especially the first time, having no context really to what this is going to be like, I'm, of course, extremely scared. Um, but on the other side of that jump, and only within probably three or four seconds, you realize, not only is this not that bad, but oh my word, it is amazing. And you land and you feel like, you know, you can own the world practically. Um, so to your point, I think, you know, sometimes we do have to just literally and figuratively take that leap. And then the other side of that leap is something really, really wonderful. I'm not sure I would go skydiving, but yes, I definitely, <laughs> I get the metaphor and it's a good one. Yeah. It's uncomfortable, but yeah, then you get the results, I suppose that high at the end. Oh, uh, there is a little that I've experienced. It's like that high that, that I experienced after landing that first time. Tell me though, um, and this is something that we talk about quite a bit here on the podcast. Um, first of all, the notion that, that many photographers consider themselves introverts. And ultimately we discuss quite a bit how to develop relationships with our clients. As a podcast host, would you say that there's a particular standout principle that you've learned about how to better communicate? Oh my goodness. You see, so I am a podcast host because I hate showing up live, you know, like in person. I think everyone has their kind of 
platform perhaps that they feel comfortable with like you very rarely see me say show up on Instagram live if I do it's under duress and (laughs) I just I don't enjoy it which again why like I had a podcast as opposed to like a YouTube channel um because I am an introvert um but I think I'm an kind of extrovert introvert but well gosh I think showing up for my clients I I mean I think one of the biggest things I would say and that I encourage people is you know, when we talk about building a relationship with our clients, it's it's just to genuinely build a relationship and genuinely care, much like if it was a friend in our day to day life. I think I very much I mean, I've worked really hard in my business to kind of get my business to a place where like I'm really ha- happy with my prices, for example. And I think I say that my prices are what they are because, you know, I, I am 100 percent available to my clients very much seven days a week. I know some people have boundaries and they don't say, you know, encourage communication on a weekend, but that's just not me. I am very much available to them. And that's almost one of my selling points. Um, I very much try and, um, you know, if somebody say has emailed me, I, I mean, typically if I've got an email inquiry, I usually notice that they've started following me on social media. Um, so sometimes I make the effort to send them a voice note, or if I'm really feeling brave that day, I might just jump on and send them a video literally on, you know, Instagram. Most of my inquiries come through, well, um, that platform, Instagram. So I would send them a video or a voice note, just sort of saying, Hey, I got your inquiry. Like I am available. I'm really excited. You know, I'll get back to email as soon as I can. And I find that like instantly, I find it that's a really powerful way to instantly create slightly more intimate connection. I mean, these are high value, you know, interactions, you know, I, you charge a lot of money. And so I really enjoyed doing that. But again, I I don't do it for every client, but I really do try and make the effort to um, get that communication perhaps onto message as quick as possible and take it off like email and anything, I suppose, obviously I follow them across all the platforms and I, you know, I, I let, you know, Instagram, I suppose I try and watch their videos to let Instagram know that I'm interested in the content they're sharing so that it keeps sharing it with me. And then I comment if, I, you know, whatever, usually it's something they've cooked for dinner or gone on a walk, but I really let them know that I'm genuinely watching their life. I'm interested in their life. And I guess just genuinely caring, I think is the biggest thing that, that I try and do and making myself very much available, you know, if they want to know um, supplier information. I I really do encourage it to be a relationship as much as as much as as I can really. Well, it's interesting, and I didn't necessarily expect the conversation to go in that direction. But I, but I, <laughs> it's it's funny that I I can not even funny. I think it's beautiful actually that I can hear the energy in your voice as you're talking about how you want to show that genuine care and concern and interest for and in your clients or potential clients. And I'm, I'm still, I know I, my, my listeners are probably kind of maybe even getting tired of me talking about this at this point, but I don't think it could be stressed enough that it is one thing for us to have this kind of robotic conversation that we do with fellow photographers at conferences or with a potential client in a meeting um, that so many of us do. And certainly I've been guilty of it at times as well. It, it's so easy to kind of go into that mode where we're not putting the extra 5, 10, 15% of energy into that conversation, the tone of our voice, the expression in our eyes to show genuine interest and care and concern. And the reality is it can make all the difference in the world and the way that we experience the person on the other side of that conversation. Um, have you mm-hmm. had personal experience with this where you've had conversation with somebody who just made you feel like a million bucks because they actually showed that genuine interest and concern? experience like if I've reached out um to be honest sometimes it's through me perhaps contacting someone to come on my podcast if I've um I had it where like I reached out to her say and she straight away sent me a video video back and like it and I was just blown away by that like her like you said her excitement yeah I mean you can't really hide it when it's video and so I did know from that you know if my clients sort of really see that and feel that and 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 yes I'm I don't claim to do it for every single inquiry I get but I really do try because I mean how amazing if I you know if I was getting married and I reached out to a supplier and I got this video message or even just a voice note they'd be like oh my gosh they're a real person um and so you're, you're instantly creating like an actual human connection rather than just yeah. like you know email basically yep yeah, it's just, and actually, I'm glad you bring up that video message too, because it's funny how we have these tools available to us that enable us to to go that extra mile to making a connection, and we don't always leverage them. Um, video messaging mm-hmm. is another one that that we can 
take advantage of for that very purpose. And, and I think I'm going to have to do a better job of incorporating that into some of my email communication as well, because I'm not a huge email fan. Um, I think a lot of people over the years have used it as kind of an instant messenger almost. I normally check email once, maybe twice a day. And that's how I'd like to keep that. I think, you know, we have other messaging platforms at this point that enable us to have that more instant communication if it's absolutely necessary. Even those I try to, for example, not respond too quickly and invite this kind of instant message scenario because the reality is I have other things to take care of in, in my life mm-hmm. and business as well. And yet those messages that I do send, um, it's funny, I, I'll actually find myself with expression on my face that matches the emoji that I'm typing or the tone that I'm trying to communicate in the, the message that, that I'm actually typing out you know, with my phone or on the computer. Um, and I like to throw that kind of energy into conversation. And uh, I hear that in your voice. I think you're a great example of w- exactly what you're talking about. I think we could all stand to incorporate that more in the way that we interact with our, our clients. But I want to jump to the next question, which is to do with brand position. There are you know thousands and thousands of wedding photographers in the US, certainly in the UK. And the biggest challenge probably that we have as a wedding photographer is just a professional photographer at all these days is to stand out amidst so many photographers and all the digital noise that our potential clients are facing. How have you positioned your photography brand to stand out in your marketplace? Oh gosh, that's tricky. I mean, I, I think one of the most common things I hear people say, you know, if I'm mentoring or at a workshop or something is, you know, the market's really saturated. And yes, it is. But I think it's saturated with mediocrity, like mediocre, basically. And so I'm really kind of, it really gets me a bit when people say that, because I suppose I am just so passionate. And I, I guess I try and approach everything with a really positive mindset. And, and so I, you know, I think if, if someone's not perhaps getting booked or if they're complaining about it being a saturated market, then I instantly think you're not doing enough. You know, you like everyone's got the same opportunities. Interesting. So yeah. In terms of myself standing out, I mean, I guess I, you know, I've just, I've worked really, really hard. I've worked really hard to try and position myself as I guess an expert and offer a, like a different level of community of uh, customer service, trying to, I guess I'm so clear with my clients from the from the get go. I'm so aware that I charge, you know, a, a good chunk of money, and so I am just so I guess transparent with them about like I'm so aware that I charge. Like I don't pretend that like I'm I, I'm so aware that I charge a decent amount of money. I suppose, and for that, they really do get my care. Um, so I think. I just try and present myself across like my brand as just someone who really, I guess, is experienced um, and hopefully knows what I'm talking about. But just that I'm genuinely passionate about what I do. Um, I'm almost obsessed with what I do, which is probably to a fault. You know, I, I'm not encouraging people to to reply to emails, you know, seven days a week. But that's just, I guess, how I run my business because my business, there's no divide perhaps between like, oh, I'm working now or, oh, this is... I'm not working now because I guess I just love it. And I'm, it's my own business. I'm self-employed. It's, it's a passion. It's not necessarily like, oh, I'm at work now, you know, which is not great. I'm not saying that everyone has to be like that to have a successful business. Sure. But um, I guess for me, it's just how it's kind of, it is really like, I just wake up and I'm just super excited. And so I don't think, oh, I'm not working today. It's a Sunday. Like I'm not going to reply to that email. Um, I'm just very present for my clients, but I definitely just encourage people in the industry who sort of feel like it can be saturated that they they have to show their value, you know, and it's, it's up to us. I think you could just be like something to tick off the list, like, oh, I need a wedding photographer. Um, and, and then you're just positioning yourself as a commodity, like, but to really show your value. So I really hope in my touch points across my, like, say from inquiry to wedding, I really hope I nail those touch points as being sort of a quite a luxury wedding photographer but just position my my brand that I I offer value basically and that's definitely something I encourage people to look at like and I guess so showing value across your all your messaging so make sure your messaging is laser focused Um, I'm so intentional with what I share whether that's on social media or blogging or on my website my portfolio I just at the end of the day you know like when you think about our own actions as consumers and like the fact that there's like a million pizza places, for example, like on a high street or whatever. And and what makes you go to one pizza place over the next pizza place? And it's usually because 
it's the person that's not just like, oh, this is a margarita pizza. It's the person like that's like, we use organic cheese. Tomatoes are from the sustainable farm down the road. You know, they're showing their value. And that's what I encourage people to do. It's your website versus say your competitor's website. Like, what are you doing to show why they should be booking you, why they should be paying that little bit extra more to get you? Um, so yeah, that's... <laughs> Well, I, I want to clarify one thing, and, and that is that I don't think that because there's a saturated market that the conversation ends there. And in fact, because it is a saturated market, and you know, the simple reality, just looking at, at data, statistics, and, and certainly the interaction um, with photographers now, myself, for about two decades in the photography industry, I simply know that there are a lot of photographers. Mm-hmm. I think the problem comes where, well, there are a couple of problems. One is that photographers, and I dealt with this personally, actually, when I first started in the industry, I, I was charging myself and my business partner were charging very, very little money. And and we eventually worked our way up and, and charged, you know, upwards of seven to ten thousand dollars per wedding. But we were charging as little as I think my first wedding, I, I shot for three hundred and fifty dollars and I was shooting film, so of course I lost money because I'd had that developed. Um but then it, we were kind of our average package was around eight hundred to a thousand dollars. And local photographers were frustrated with the fact that that we were quote unquote undercutting the the local industry. Mm-hmm. And and the reality is if we don't uh, if we aren't aware of the fact that the the industry or the marketplace rather is is segmented based at the very least on income brackets and that there are certain target markets within those income brackets that we can intentionally, proactively uh, go after, depending on the business model that we want to run, then we're going to lose sight of possibility and just kind of uh, almost kind of end up in this negative mentality where we're giving up because so-and-so is charging less than me and, and how dare they. And I, I think to me, that's just a very reactive state of mind. So I think one, there's a need to develop awareness about just how the marketplace works. Number two, I think it's important and why we spend so much time on brand position is that there's got to be a way to effectively communicate how we are different than the other person because you're right there's pl- there are plenty of photographers that are okay photographers mm-hmm. unfortunately and the reality is that it, our potential clients most of them don't really know the difference so in some other way we have to stand out and the question is how are we doing that i think one of the ways to do that is messaging and so that's why we spend so much time uh, on brand position um i just wanted to clarify that a little bit but when you talk about not doing enough a lot of photographers aren't doing enough I want to push back here because I want to get your take on this. It's it's one thing to be busy all the time. It's another thing to be busy doing the things that will actually make a difference in our business uh, so that we then still have time to not have our phone with us or be on the computer all the time. And this is really kind of a good segue to my next question about managing time too. How do you differentiate between being busy and being busy with the things that actually matter to your business? Oh, good question. But I would love just to just to go back to what you said, because that was so incredibly spot on that here in England, that kind of saturated, there is a saturated price point. And I think where I managed to, I don't know if it was luck, but I recognized quite early on, there is a saturated price point. I need to work really hard to get myself out of that. And I went out and I sought the portfolio, which meant I was paying to kind of go to for me, it was destination. I shoot a lot of destinations. So I paid for myself to go to those destinations. I worked really hard. I got the content. Mm. And through that content, I then was able to raise my prices and jump out of that saturated price point. So I think you were so spot on. That is something I was super conscious of um, here in England. And I think I encourage everyone to kind of to think about that really. Well, and let's actually park there for a second. And I'm, I'm, and I'm glad that you went back to that because something else I was taking notes as you were talking, something else that you mentioned earlier was uh, the, the idea of demonstrating value. Um, now, value means different things to different people. It, it's a very subjective term. And, and you know how we demonstrate value to somebody who makes $800,000 a year versus somebody who makes you know $40,000 a year, those efforts hopefully are going to be different. I, I look at your website and I'm on the homepage right now. For those of you listening in, if you go to NicolaDixonPhotography.com, N-I-C-O-L-A DixonPhotography.com, you can you can take a look at Nicola's, uh, by the way, beautiful work, Nicola. I mean, it's the oh, presentation is beautiful. It's a very minimalist, classic font style that's being used. And I do get the impression that this is a high-end brand. But at the same time, as I'm scrolling down, I don't see any messaging that jumps out with me in a large enough font that says, hey... I am your 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 uh, go to for high end wedding photography, for example. So, how do you communicate in your messaging the significant value that you offer to your kind of mid to high end client? 
Oh, well, I suppose I've worked really hard to build relationships. A lot of my inquiries now come through planners, okay. um, which I suppose I've, I'm a massive fan of style shoots. I've built my business. I, I guess this, well, this year gone would have just been my fourth year, but I was able to kind of kind of charge what I charge and get where I am now because I did a lot of style shoots. I'm so passionate about them um, in terms of how style shoots can help you move forward in your business, get the charge what you want to charge, work with the sort of planners that you want to, to work with. So style shoots, I, I'm just so passionate about them. So I, I've worked with lots of planners from doing style shoots with them. Um, so I think recommendation, I've worked really hard to build those relationships. Mm. And um, so they thankfully almost communicate it on my behalf. Yes. But, uh, which is awesome. But other than that, I guess the, in, you know, the second that someone gets in touch with me, you know, I, again, I reply really quickly, to be honest, like, I think they're probably emailing a couple of people. Um, and we all know that, the, you know, the first person to almost engage with them and get them into conversation. And then perhaps the other photographers, they might reply like a couple of days later. And hopefully by then, you know, me and that client have already built a conversation and a connection and we're in the flow. And, So I definitely, and then I send a pricing guide. So I really hope my pricing guide is really thoughtful. It's detailed. I talk about my, you know, my ethos, my values, what kind of photographer I am, what they could expect from me on the day. And I really love it when those clients that are like, yes, I've read your pricing guide. I want to book you. I really relate to what you're saying. Um, And they're obviously the type of clients that you want that just... Well, the fact that they've actually read your pricing guide, because let's be honest, some people don't quite, you know, they don't really read. They just go straight to the pricing. So I always love it, obviously, when clients are like, oh, I really loved what you said at this point. And I'm like, amazing, you've read it. You know, that really shows that we're going to be a good fit. But you're right, I suppose just being, I'm so intentional. Like, I think, again, you know, if I'm ever sort of speaking to other uh, big like photographers that are wanting to move up in the industry, I am so intentional now. You know, even if a wedding perhaps might be in the right venue say but if just a couple of aspects to it don't really gel with me um then I won't share it you know I'm I guess I just can't stress that enough how intentional I am with the content that I put out there which I hope then attracts what I am looking for but yeah you're right I mean I I probably I'm one of those people that I'm so guilty of on my own website but when I'm like teaching other photographers I'm like you want to do this and this but then your own website kind of falls by the wayside Um, oh no 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 that that didn't at all mean to highlight that what I just (laughs) that is true I I want I want the conversation to be as natural as possible and I'm you know as you're talking about the significance of value I think it's it's a really important point of conversation one and two you know especially as it relates to a, a mid to high end. I mean, I'm looking at, I looked at the investment page of your website and the starting price point, it looks like is 3,500 pounds. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's gone up now, but okay. yeah. In England, we're so different to you in America. I think, thank, uh, sadly, we're not really where your prices are. So I'd say the average price in England for a wedding photographer is about 1,500 pounds mm-hmm. up to 2,000. Mm-hmm. Like that is the very saturated price. Like yes. if you, that's, that's where people are. So so right now, say my day fee for England would be about £4,000 and then it goes up. And like I said, I do shoot mostly destinations. So I've had to work really hard and I guess produce. So yes, I produce style shoots, but I really try and produce kind of value driven content. And then, which means through my Instagram captions, say, or blog posts, I can, you know, serve my clients. Um, so I hope that that really comes across when again, you know, I'm positioning myself as quite, slightly more you know expensive option um I try and show value um as just as being an expert really uh, in so like I said I shoot a lot of destinations so just really showing that I travel I'm an experienced traveler um if you book me for your wedding abroad you're in really safe hands and I try and get that across with the content I produce and then you know say the Instagram caption I I really try and see it as an opportunity to to serve them really and not just be like oh look here's you know Sarah and Billy at sunset you know <laughs> or whatever right it's Sarah an opportunity Billy, yeah. to yeah <laughs> to serve my clients and, and um so yeah it's but you you were talking about balance anyway Nathan I took I took us off on a tangent then. no you know this has actually really been fun and, and for my regular listeners they, they know I'm I usually kind of stay on point as far as going from question to the next but it, that's also because many photographers aren't naturally uh, comfortable in conversation, or at least in the context of a podcast interview and being interviewed and teaching and so forth. Um, I like it when the conversation kind of break the outline and and we can just let it flow where it go where it may. So I please don't apologize in any way for that. I, I did want to touch on one other thing that you highlighted, which I think is super important for all of our listeners to consider, and and that is the the idea of 
pricing yourself, you talked about pricing yourself out of the saturation point. Um, in the US, the saturation point is probably, I'd say 2,500 to 3,500, somewhere in that realm, uh, mm. dollars, of course. And mm. uh, But actually, the last statistics that I saw uh, is that 70, roughly 70% or so, and actually potentially even high as 80% of weddings uh, photographed in the US are photographed for $2,000 and below. So when I wow. say the saturation point, that saturation point of twenty five to thirty five hundred, uh, maybe four thousand, is where you know full time active photographers uh, may be shooting. But the reality is that there's this massive segment of the market that is underserved on the low end side. And so while it may be natural, for example, in your case, Nicola, you priced yourself out of that saturation point and went up. Uh, I did the same thing back mm -hmm. in the day when I was shooting weddings as well. And I think there's opportunity to do that. But of course, it's also a smaller segment of the market. So I would ask the question because I'm getting ready to explore business model uh, myself, actually, as a photographer that taps into the low end side of the market that is not actively served. Um, I would encourage our listeners to also consider potentially the same. Could you come up with a business model to serve the a slightly lower end side of the market in the area that you live in? There might be an opportunity to go there. It's not nearly as crowded, certainly not as as consistently and proactively served as that, say, twenty five to thirty five hundred uh, realm. And there might be really great business opportunity there if you can if you can develop an efficient business model because of course you're going to be charging less. So just wanted to throw that out there um, as no, a talking I think, point. Yeah, and I've spoken to um, I spoke to a woman ages ago that made me think of that. You you can do high volume, low ticket price, say, yes. and still still make say six figures a year in your business. No question. It just depends, I guess, what you want. Yes, and like the lifestyle that you want. Um, but there, there's this girl actually in in this country, and I look at her work and I'm like. I always say to her, like, you charge too little. And I just, I guess it, but it, it's not, it, she's obviously just really happy shooting high volume. And sure. that's fine. She obviously just loves it. But, and, and obviously each to their own. But I definitely think there's a model to serve the lower price market. And it, it, I guess it's high volume, you know? It is high volume. And there's a challenge innate to that, right? How do you shoot high volume, charge enough, um, manage mm -hmm. costs enough to still make, enough of a profit at the end of the day to make it worth running your own business. Because I think, at least for me personally, and I, and I think for many entrepreneurs who get into business for themselves, a, a big part of why they do so is that flexibility. And if you're working mm. 80 hours a week because you're shooting high volume you know, portrait sessions or, or weddings or otherwise, then, then you're kind of killing that notion of freedom and flexibility. And I, I don't want that for anybody. But I think there is a there is an opportunity there, and it just has to be well thought out, and there has to be an efficient business model. But when I got married, my parents paid six hundred dollars for my wedding photographer, and that was a lot of money for them. And the reality is, there are a lot of people who make just enough money really to to pay the bills. So the idea of paying three, four, five, ten thousand dollars for a wedding photography just isn't even a consideration. It's not an option. It has nothing to do with the quality of art or the significance of art, the longevity of this thing after the wedding is over, all these cliche things that we hear photographers say, which hold some mm -hmm. reality, but just aren't a reality for this other segment of the market. And so the question is, who is going to serve that segment of the market is always just going to be a stepping stone for those photographers who are trying to charge more or are there going to be some who develop a business model that does actively serve that that segment? Um, that's something I'm getting ready to explore myself. Mm -hmm. and, and I just wanted to throw that out there as well. But yes, you were transitioning to time. Let's talk about time management. Um, and let's talk about the, the significance of, uh, or not even the significance, the difference between busyness and busyness that actually makes a difference in your business. And, and I'm curious what this means to you as it relates to managing your time. Yeah. I mean, we have a saying here. I don't know if it's a, a worldwide saying about being a busy fool. <laughs> so, you know, you feel mm. busy, like, and you think, oh, I should be making lots of money. I'm busy. Yeah. I'm busy. And it's like, no, you know, and I definitely have a, a couple of friends that are a bit guilty of that. I mean, I'm, I'm probably not the best example because as I said, I, I kind of do, I, I genuinely think I'm a bit obsessed with what I do and therefore I'm not great with boundaries, but I also feel that I have an incredible life and I never feel tired of it or exhausted from it or and I'm sure if I did obviously I'd put more boundaries in but you know maybe I don't have children you know so maybe if I did that would change things um for sure so I guess um <laughs> yeah I mean I just have a dog but I feel yeah so I'm probably the, the worst person to speak to I mean I, I I'm know. pretty efficient with like batch working I really got you know my editing down to I think I'm pretty slick with it now but I know so many people obviously go to outsourcing and that's definitely something I would consider if um, I was shooting more weddings. But 
I'm, yeah, I don't think there's a, like a secret for me because I'm probably really guilty of just uh, working sort of as and when I feel like it. But I definitely have a, I have like the best. I mean, I know it sounds so cheesy and cliche or probably quite irritating that I genuinely am so, I have the best life ever. And, and so I just enjoy it and never feel like, oh, I've got to go to work or, you know, I just never felt that really. That's um, wonderful. No, that's, seriously, that's wonderful. <laughs> and I don't think that's cliche at all. I mean, if you can do that, and, and like you said earlier, you know, teach his own, they're, they're, everybody has a certain, I hope they've at least internally created a goal for themselves as to the life that they want to live and they're working to get to that place. And the parameters within which we function are going to vary from person to person. So I love mm-hmm. the idea that you can can work as much as you want to and, and feel good doing so, are happy doing so, aren't getting burned out. I think that's wonderful. And actually, I was thinking earlier as you were discussing this, you were talking about passion. And that is a word we hear thrown around a lot. And it may seem cliche in some ways, but I'm curious what what does that passion actually mean for you? Where does that excitement for the work that you do come from? Oh, gosh, that is a really good question. I mean, I love being self-employed. I love having my own business. I love having complete freedom over my time. Mm. Um, I'm trying to work more to have location freedom, which is a wedding photographer. That's something I'm trying to figure out and kind of, yeah, basically that's that's where I'm now trying to get the location freedom, um, which is tricky. And I struggling a little bit the minute that our industry, you know, you're booking, say at the moment I'm having clients wanting to book for 2022 and I'm, I'm saying no, I can't even... Uh-huh think about that really I really struggle with that part of the industry which is obviously you know you are booked one to two years in advance which means I know where I'm going to be like you know July 2022 I'm not good at that I don't know that's the only thing in the industry that I'm like oh gosh you know I, I struggle with that sometimes but I think freedom the fact that you know if it's a Monday afternoon I want to go have coffee with my parents and my parents are sort of retired um, and they live near me and they're big bikers and I tend to meet them um, somewhere on their route and we just sit outside and have a coffee and Every time, every day, I'm like, I get to do this. I get to just go meet my parents and spend yeah. time with them. And I get to walk my dog like whenever I want. And so I think just freedom, time freedom. So I'm working towards location freedom, hmm. um, but time freedom is, that's just something that's so important. But then obviously serving, I love teaching. So I suppose I've gone, I love my clients. I mean, I love weddings. I really do. But I've, I guess I've pivoted and moved slightly into teaching photographers, which I really love, like, I think I'm, I mean, yeah, I love serving my clients, but I've come to really love sort of, I've, I've taken on some coaching for photographers and I just love it. Like being able to make an impact. I just yes. love, yeah. So I guess my passion just comes from making a difference to people's lives. But mm. then the fact that like, I'm very passionate about mindset. And I think that's the biggest thing I see that people really struggle, especially in the industry is this, whether it's money mindset or blocks or limiting beliefs and I hear that so much, you know, oh, I'll never be able to charge that for a wedding. I'll never be able to get booked for that wedding. And I just, that's just something I teach. And I'm so passionate about that trying to get people to think differently. And um, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm so passionate about mindset, I suppose. And if I can change someone's mindset, you know, if I can help them kind of, it's only been in the last couple of years that my mindset shifted. Um, You know, I I had a business years ago that failed and left me basically bankrupt. Mm. And I, I genuinely lost everything. I had nothing. I mean, I was like 26, 27, 28. So, you know, it wasn't like I had that much to lose, but I really, I felt like a failure. I, that was it. I was, I'd failed. And, you know, I really had to do so much work to go, no, you didn't fail. You, you know, you're only a failure really if, if I'd stopped there, but I didn't obviously, I, you right. know, I moved forward and got into photography and set up the business. And, and I think through all that, like through, I had massive money issues, like, and I've done the work, I've listened to the podcast, I've read books, and I continue to do the work every day and sort of shift some of those beliefs. And there is there are people that second shoot for me who have been shooting longer than me and technically are probably a better photographer than me. Like I look at their work when I'm sort of going through it and I'm like, wow, you know, they are better than me. And the only difference between them and me is mindset, which is that mm. I have the kind of mindset to go, no, I want to charge these prices. Like, but obviously. I like to think I had the work to back up wanting to charge those prices and I have the customer service to back it up. So it's not that I'm sort of plucking numbers from the air, but I really, you know, I just, I want to sort of encourage other people around me that I see just sort of struggling and especially this year have really struggled almost like feeling that it's just such a negative place um, and that we're never going to get out of it and their businesses are ruined. And of course, like this year is 
I, there's no question it will have affected so many businesses, but I really believe there is opportunity in, in uncertainty. And so if anything, it's just kind of, I don't know, being a, a bright light and just wanting to get people to have like amazing lives. And if I can teach anyone or I don't know, or help anyone on that kind of path to having business that they love that serves them, then yeah, that really lights me up. I, you know, you talk about mindset and I think about a couple of words. One is beliefs. Uh, another mm. is principles. And uh, we actually spend quite a bit of time either, I, I either state the fact that we're actually dealing in principles here on the podcast or we deal in principles on a pretty regular basis because I think at the root of a successful individual and uh, a business owner are principles, certainly values. Um, and these are all driven by beliefs. I, I literally have on my, my arm tattooed the word belief in Japanese, mm. kakushin. And then on the other arm, the inside of my wrist, choice, sentaku. And these, these words are really mm. interesting because I think it, they really are um, at the root of, of everything, right? We, we have the ability to choose, fortunately, to mm. develop the belief system that will drive what we do. And of course, I am in no way alluding to any kind of religious belief system here. It's just a belief system. I mean, if I, I believe that the, the chair is going to hold me up, I'm going to sit down in it. Um, I believe that if I create this podcast, I'll have the opportunity to be able to make an impact in someone's life or um, in this conversation that we're going to have today, Nicola, and dealing with how to, to create additional streams of income, that there's going to be some value in that to photographers. I mean, literally everything that I do on a day-to-day basis is driven by a belief or set of beliefs. And so I think it's really important for all of our listeners, uh, and I'm so glad that you're putting such an emphasis on this and you're coaching, Nicola, to develop a set of beliefs that enable us to then put together value set that will drive what we do on a day-to-day basis. And as long as we have at the root of everything that we do, a solid set of beliefs and values, principles, um, we're going to be in a really, really great place. I I love that you're focusing on that as opposed to just a tip here and a trick there, because there are plenty of people doing that. I think we have to focus on the principles and the beliefs that drive those. I love that. I mean, it's choice. We can choose to take action. We can choose to believe that we, you know, good things are going to come to us. I love that. I think you're spot on. It's choices. That's that's the difference between so many of us, really, just the choices we make or the choices that we just think even, not even necessarily our actions. Um, Yeah, I love that. Well, you talked earlier about how you went through that so-called, and we'll put in air quotes, failure with your Mm. previous business. And then you realize, oh, it's not about being a failure. I have the opportunity here to to learn from this and then take what I've learned to my next business. And that is you chose to believe that instead of it being a failure, you chose to believe that it was an opportunity to learn. And mm. and that reframing, um, that choice to believe that this was actually an opportunity and not a failure enabled you to take a really positive step in the right direction with your new business. And, and I think that's a beautiful mm-hmm. example of that very concept. But um, I, man, there's so much to talk about here, and 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 I, this has been this has been really wonderful. You did mention outsourcing and delegation, and this is something we talk about quite a bit mm. on the podcast. Is there any element of your business at this point that you're experimenting with delegating? Well, I guess as I've pivoted my business slightly into the kind of more coaching space, then yes, I've definitely sought help these last kind of six months, um, mainly copywriting. I'm really, yeah. I've really seen the value of getting someone else. I've just got a new website and I've had heard completely do all my copy. So, I mean, that was really expensive actually, but I knew it was going to be worth it. I and it was. Um, the copywriting, I have a designer help me with pretty much everything at the moment. I have uh, somebody help me with my Facebook ads that I've just taken on. And at the moment, I'm having somebody help me with the tech side. But that's only because I've slightly pivoted my business. Um, in my photography, I probably did do most of it myself. But I was definitely getting to the point where I was thinking about outsourcing editing. And just sort of, I did just manage to find a couple of hacks workflow wise that just helped me. Sure. But I know... I don't shoot that much. So for those photographers around me that do shoot a lot, I know that they outsource because there's no other way really to do 50 weddings a year at the standard they do unless they take on some help, typically outsourcing editing. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned the the volume and I'm sure you're referring, well, maybe mainly to the number of events that you're photographing. Do you also shoot less as far as the number of images? Um, I, 
hope not. I don't think so. Though I'm again, like I am quite picky. And I know like whenever I have like second shooters sometimes that just send me thousands and thousands, I do think, gosh, I'm really quite, uh, I don't, I'm definitely not one of those click happy photographers. Okay. Um, but no, so hopefully I don't deliver any less, but I don't shoot high. I probably shoot 25 weddings a year at the moment. Well, that's what last year should have been. And I think next year will be about that because of the situation, but then you know, I definitely want to scale back um, just because I guess I'm moving my business in a slightly different direction. Sure. Um, still serving for serving photographers, but just in a different direction, really. Uh, yeah, and just to be clear, I didn't mean deliver less images as much as shoot less huh. images, because to your point, there are a lot of photographers who and they'll they'll own it too. They'll say, I I just I shoot, you know, 3000 images at a wedding, for example, or four or 5000 or maybe even more in some cases. And I, that just becomes such a tedious thing, even if you are delegating editing to someone else internally or externally or otherwise, having to cull through, for example, 6,000 images or 4,000 images just to get down to a manageable number that your client's actually going to look through. It's just, oh, it's, it's painstaking. Mm. <laughs> so yes. I, I think it's, it really is important to take our time to actually to, to think about what it is that we're photographing and just kind of, instead of just holding that button down and hoping we get something good, it really, when we talk about time management, that, that would surely help us manage our time more effectively. Um, I I, I want to have another question for you, though, about, um, and this is something we also talk about quite a bit here, an impactful business or self-help book uh, that has been Mm. just especially meaningful in the last few years. Well, I guess coming back to money mindset, I think the book that really started to make me delve deeper was um, Jen Sincero's book called, um, I think it's You Are a Badass at Making Money. She's also got another book, the first one, which was like, you are a I think it's just you are a badass. Right. But then she got the money one out. Um, and that one really, I encourage everyone, whether you think you've got money blocks or not, you probably have. Um, and yeah, that book really started me on my journey to sort of realizing I had some big money blocks. Um, you know, I had a real scarcity mindset and that was how I was raised. And that's mm. not to say I was raised badly because I had an a beautiful life, but I came from the place of, oh, I can't afford that. You know, we'll never be able to afford that. You can't mm. afford to buy that house. So it was nice as like an adult that I started deep digging deeper into that. And it's like, gosh, no, like they would, that was just how I was raised. And now I need to really look at my beliefs. And now I think with a very abundant mindset, I'm just, I'm just very sure that like, you know, good things will come to me. I've got no doubt. I'm just, I just, it's just how I think now, I suppose. Um, Just, yeah, basically an abundance mindset. You know, if a great example would be, um, I have a lovely photographer who shot this really lovely wedding with me it was a beautiful wedding and and she was like oh do you mind if I create like a sample studio album with this book like I totally understand if you don't want me to and I was like no of course like I never want to hold you back like I encourage everyone that works with you know works second shoots me associates with me I want them to I allow them to share those images I don't put any restrictions because I want them to have success and by me holding her back and saying, no, you can't turn that into an album. Like what good that would then me be having a scarcity mindset that there isn't enough to go around and there is plenty to go around. And I love, you know, typically those that say mentor with me and then they come and second shoot with me. And I really try and get them as, you know, I, I encourage them and I want to get them weddings and refer them and encourage them to raise their prices. And I want them to succeed. And that's because I think there's plenty of weddings to go around and, uh, yeah. So, but that book really started me on my journey to sort of um, shifting my mindset. So, I really encourage anyone to li- to read that book. I, I like the way that you framed the book as well, because I, you know, I I hear you are a badass, or you a badass at making money, and and I, my mind just kind of goes to the incessant need that it seems a lot of people need for a pat on the head, like a, an ego stroking. But the reality is, and, and I'm actually looking at the subtitle now of the book. It says, "Master the Mindset of Wealth." We're really talking mm-hmm. about money mindset, as you were referring to. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll make sure cuz this book has actually come up on the on the podcast before and ah. uh and it's been a relatively popular one, but I'd never heard anybody frame it in that light and and so it I'm it's actually sounds that much more compelling to me now. Um I just added it to my what my list. So, uh, we'll put to that we'll put that in the show notes at bokabokehpodcast.com for everybody listening in. Take advantage of those show notes, all the resources and talking points from today's conversation will be there. But let's jump on to the main portion of our conversation or the main topic today, Nicola. And, and um, you know, in the context of COVID, as you've alluded to um, earlier in our conversation, where many photographers are kind of struggling to keep their business alive and potentially to make ends meet, 
but then looking into 2021, maybe trying to create a little bit more freedom or flexibility for themselves as business owners, not just strapped to shooting X number of events or portrait sessions in a year. Uh, I, I want to explore this concept of a digital product and, and adding mm. that to uh, or adding that as a stream of income for photographers. This is something that you suggested and uh, it piques my interest. So I, I want to get started by defining that idea of a digital product. What are you referring to there? I mean, a digital product is, is anything you can essentially sell digitally. So obviously a million things from saying that you're going to selling um, like a, a masterclass over Zoom to writing a PDF and selling a guide. You know, there are so many different types of digital product, um, but essentially I'm just referring to anything that you can sell digitally. Interesting. Okay. So then I guess that begs the question, are we, are we talking more about products for our client or for other photographers? So I'm talking about products for other photographers. So I just found as I kind of launched some digital products last year that were for other photographers, I actually fell in love with the process of launching, the creating a digital product and launching. So I guess I've just pivoted my business slightly in that I now I want to sort of teach photographers to scale their business using digital products. I I believe everyone has a digital product in them. Uh, The amazing thing about us photographers is that we use so many tools in our business. Hmm. So that's kind of the space that I've moved into, which is, yeah, but the amazing thing about digital products and us photographers, I primarily think about photographers creating digital products for other photographers, but of course you could create a product that was serving the wedding industry or of course serving your couples. Um, so, you know, again, the great thing about us is that we see different, we see both sides, the client and the photographers, right. and then of course the wedding industry. Now I, I like to play devil's advocate. So I want to kind of go okay. back to a, a, an earlier <laughs> talking point regarding a crowded space. Right now, I'm seeing a lot of photographers get into education in one form or another, whether it's selling an online course or hosting webinars or doing workshops. Do you feel like this is a, and this may seem a bit rhetorical in nature, but I'm curious to, mm-hmm. to dig into this a little bit. Do you feel like this is too crowded a space for too many photographers to be considering this as a potential income stream? I mean, obviously, I'm going to say no, Nathan. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, no, in the sense that I think traditional education is dying. I, I think so many more people are now turning to learn something online. So without question, I don't have the stats in front of me, but without question, online businesses are rising. And now, you know, before um, you'd think, oh, I might go down to my local college and take a class in photography. Like, I just don't think even people don't even think that anymore, really. I don't think. So I definitely don't think. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm going to say no. But um, I think like everything, like with our photography businesses, you know, we just need to show value and serve our clients. Like whether we're serving our brides, or, you know, clients or serving other photographers, we need to have them at the front of everything we do. And yes, there are lots of educators out there, but just like there's probably educators that maybe shouldn't be educators, you know, so make sure you obviously like do your research, but, but no, I think the space is growing like definitely because it's worldwide. I mean, it's limitless. So yeah, it's obviously I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was just curious to get your take on that because I, I, I've, and I've, I guess hesitant might be the best word in this case when it comes to this conversation around encouraging or, or hearing, even just hearing other photographers. Photographers will talk to me, whether I'm at a conference or in a podcast or otherwise, and talk about getting into the education space. And, you know, when we have, I think here in the US, roughly 2 million weddings a year, I think. Um, the notion wow. of there being thousands of photographers to photograph those 2 million weddings makes a little bit more sense. But when we're talking about education space and much less number of people that need to be served, the idea that so many photographers are continuing to get in the space now, can any and everyone is selling something. Um, I, I think there's a potential for those opportunities to get watered down a little bit. Uh, hence the conversation, mm-hmm. hence my question. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I had to at least pose that and, and get your take on it. I appreciate you sharing. But um, this may seem, again, like another rhetorical question, but what would you say is the purpose of photographers beginning to offer digital products in addition to the photographic services they're offering? I think it's a great way to essentially, you know, increase your revenue or add another revenue stream and or work less hours. You know, if you are fully booked um, or perhaps you're traveling too much or you want to be at home more on weekends and, you know, rather than say take 
30 weddings, you want to take 25, but you don't want to earn any less money, then what are you going to do? So yeah, I mean, I'd say like boosting your profits essentially and working less is probably the biggest one, but also the balance if you just want to be at home more. Um, And I think especially when people start having families and things, that becomes really appealing. Right. Even more flexibility. You Mm. mentioned to me before we started recording that you have a few different clues that that a photographer um, could look for to decide whether or not they should start selling digital products. What are those? Well, I think one of the biggest ones would be if they were fully booked. You know, if you're looking to your year and perhaps you, you know, you, you have, you've run out of key weekends, sure, but you're still wanting to grow your business, then I'd say being fully booked is a big one um, that you might want to think about adding a digital product. Um, if you're getting asked lots of questions, you know, mm. if other photographers are turning to you for advice, yeah. literally sliding into your DM say, or if you're, you know, doing in-person workshops and you're just getting asked the same questions, then the amazing thing obviously about digital product is you can impact and serve more people than you know, in-person workshops um, right. or just repeating yourself in the DMs. And I guess that, you know, if you just want more balance, it's uh, obviously I shoot destination mainly and I'm, I love it. But then actually, you know, I got a dog this year and suddenly I would love to shoot. It's that tricky thing. Like I absolutely love it. But then, some, you know, travel isn't as glamorous as you think. And um, <laughs> it, it is a bit tiring sometimes. And I would quite like a weekend at home, but I still want to grow my business and and scale and so yeah, I'd say those those three, I suppose, like looking for more balance, you know, finding yourself, uh, people sort of coming to you for for edu- you know, education and advice, and then, or just perhaps like you're fully booked. You mentioned your dog, uh, your dog's mm. name is Margot, is that correct? Yes, yeah, yeah Margot. <laughs> Absolutely adorable. For anybody listening in, if you are in any way a dog fan, you've got to go take a look at the... Uh, the highlights on Nicola's Instagram. We'll oh, link to that in the you. show notes too at bocapodcast.com. Absolutely beautiful. But uh, so, so let's talk about then specific ideas for photographers, maybe prompts, if you will, that will enable them to begin coming up with potential digital products to add to their brand. Mm. Well, like I said, you know, we are so lucky that there are so many tools we use from Lightroom, Photoshop, Canva, Pinterest, Instagram, you know, photo mechanic, there's, there are so many. So I guess it's like having a look at the tools that you use and thinking about if you have like a formula or a system that you feel is is like um, giving you your own transformation, mm. your own business, perhaps like, you know, you might feel like, oh my gosh, I can, uh, I can edit a wedding in four hours or like I get booked for every wedding. Therefore, I feel like I have really great client communication or, mm. you know, I can make these amazing templates in Canva. So it's looking at the tools that you use and whether you have a, a formula you believe or a system or a process that can save people time perhaps or get them from A to B quicker or give them just, even if it's just their own transformation, like how to get fully booked in your, you know, in your first year of wedding photography. Um, so I think I just would really look at your own business or whether there were mistakes that you made in your business that you want to save someone making. Yeah. Um, that's another one. Or, you know, you can, looking I mean, again, there are so many lovely Facebook groups, which is great because you so often see the same questions being posted and what your audience is struggling with, you know, creating content, getting book pricing. I mean, there are so many things when it comes to having a successful business that we struggle with along the way. And perhaps you can solve one of those problems. So I suppose, yeah, in terms of ideas, it's so limitless, which is incredible. Uh, But And then there's just, uh, you know, if you do in-person workshops, so what are the questions that keep cropping up? Um, but I'd say going to the Facebook groups is definitely a good one because you really do see the same the same problems coming about. And of course, looking at your own personal story, like your own personal business, like where you really struggled and overcome and and perhaps you can help somebody not make the same mistake. I wonder if there is there would be a, a little a fancy graph that we could put together here and, and it would show this intersection between passion, excitement, right? Because a lot of photographers ha- are excited about the idea of sharing a concept um, but they also have to align with or intersect somewhere with statistics that can be proven, right? I, I'm I'm mm-hmm. really excited about this thing. I am good at this thing and here are the statistics to prove it. So I have reason to, to yes, share this. Yeah. And then along with that, an ability, right? You, you also alluded earlier to the reality, which is that not every photographer is is geared to be a teacher. Um, and, yeah. and that's okay. It's not a bad thing. I think, in fact, I think it's a good thing to be aware of that, have a certain amount of self awareness, and either learn the skill set because we can, many, if not most of us, can develop that skill set, or 
acknowledge that that's not kind of where our strengths lie and go somewhere else. Um, focus on, on a different area where we might be able to add value. But passion, statistics, and ability, the, those intersecting points might be some combination of those three things. What do you think? Yes, you're so true. And I suppose I'm not, I'm not almost encouraging every single photographer to go out and create a digital product. But for those that, you know, are interested in that space, then then I guess I just want to give people the sort of tools and the inspiration to go and do it. But yeah. you're right, not everyone has the passion. Definitely not everyone has the passion or inclination to, you know, to put themselves out there essentially, which can be quite scary in itself. So you're right that uh, definitely not saying <laughs> everybody should do one. But I think if you have any desire to, you know, move into that education space or just teach or you know, serve your sort of fellow photographers, then, I mean, but the amazing thing about digital products, it can be a, re- it can be a small product, you know, it right. literally can be like a guide to Pinterest for $49, say, yep. um, you know, it doesn't have to be this massive signature course of like how to be a wedding photographer in 2000 pounds. That's true. Which is all, like you said, you know, if you've just mastered this one thing, literally like one, like how to do Photoshop with the editing or how to master flash, like, you know, a very niche thing. I mean, I mean, I'm super passionate about them, but, but no, it's, yeah, it's really digital. true though. It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot. I, I remember back um, years ago when photographers edit was kind of relatively new to the industry. One of the things that we did for a, a relatively limited amount of time was sell some presets and we never mm. really marketed it seriously or, or anything of the sort really. And they just kind of existed on the website and we sold thousands of dollars in presets without even trying. It was just kind of there and it was available. It was an option, but it, it reminds me of the reality that, that you highlight Nicola, which is that it doesn't take a lot. It's not that we have to create these multi-thousand dollar courses. It could be, you know, a download of some kind, whether it's a PDF or a preset or otherwise. And there's opportunity there to add value to somebody else. It might be something that they're mm. looking for. And um, I, I think that's something really great to keep in mind. It might help kind of minimize the the barrier to entry, at least in our, in our minds as we're considering the possibility. But on that note, how does a photographer then, they say, okay, you know what, here's this opportunity. Let's just say theoretically that the passion, statistics, and ability kind of align in this particular niche uh, of theirs. And they're like, okay, there's an opportunity to sell a product here. What's the next step? How do they actually get started creating that digital product? Well, I guess, you know, fleshing out the idea, but I'd say a really key thing to do would be to validate your idea. Um, and, and I would say surveying your audience. So even if that is just showing up on Instagram and saying, look, I'm thinking of creating this product, like, does anyone else struggle with this problem perhaps? Or and just asking your audience for feedback. You know, you do you really do want to get some validation before perhaps you go on and spend, you know, Mm. hours making something. I mean, perhaps also looking across the industry, are other people doing something similar, which isn't a bad thing at all. Obviously it means there's a need for it. Um, But you then would think, okay, so there is already that guide out to Pinterest say, and there are several, what can I bring and make that different? Like what can I, what extra value can I do? And I mean, much like in your photography business, there is only one you. So yes, someone else has probably written a guide to Pinterest, but that you're going to add something different to it because there's only one you. Um, But I'd say validating your idea. I mean, flash out your, your product and obviously really start, um, doing the work in terms of, you know, whether it's writing the course or producing the content, but I would say validating your idea, um, which typically the best way would be serving your audience, asking your peers, your friends in the industry, and just checking really that you're onto yes. a bit of a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say then um, along the same line of thinking? I mean, there is this initial apprehension maybe to get started. What are What are a few of the top fears that photographers have when it comes to adding these digital products to their business and how do they maybe overcome each of those? Yes. God, I mean, there's so many fears and I know I had them. I think the biggest fear is my audience is too small, which I guess um, I would say, you know, if you've got a few thousand followers say that are invested in you, then that's far more powerful than say having a hundred thousand followers that aren't yes. engaged with your content. Yes. You can still make a huge amount of money from those, you know, 1000 people following you if they all say bought your product. Um, so I really don't want people to be deterred by that. I mean, obviously you can go down the route of adding Facebook ads, but just saying you're wanting an organic, um, an organic sort of say, you know, launch then. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you engage with your audience and nurture them and serve them, then chances are like a smaller audience you you are almost like more connected with because you probably recognize the same names that reply and respond. Yes. So definitely not being put off by that one. Who am I to teach? 
is uh, is the, another big one like mm. you know what gives me the authority to go on teach um and i would say you know you don't have to be an expert you just have to be a few steps ahead of the person behind you so someone in year 1 uh, and someone in year 3 you know year 3 you're not necessarily an expert you know you're not probably i don't i don't know what even defines an expert but person in year one probably really wants to know what you know in year three. So it's just remembering that, you know, you don't, there are no qualifications to having a digital product. So it's just, yeah, being a few steps in, in ahead, probably wanting it to be perfect. I think mm, we're, you know, yes. creative people, yeah. uh, perfectionist and that, I mean, gosh, I'm so guilty of that. And me too. Oh, I suppose, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, better like done is is better than perfect yes. um and just as much as it's hard and it is hard you know you want you think gosh if i'm doing like video trainings then you want to have your hair and makeup done and you want the, the lighting to be amazing but you just have to start and if that means just turning on zoom and showing up which feels scary but i'd just say start which obviously is so easy to say but um just yeah just getting it done rather than waiting for it to be perfect it probably never will be perfect um yeah, so they're probably my top three. Oh, I, I like that. I was taking notes as you were talking. Okay, so the, the first apprehension is that the audience is too small. And, and to your mm. point, the reality is that is if we focus on a core group, just need to develop a core audience or core fan base um, that we can sell these products to, these, um, whether it's downloadables or courses or otherwise, uh, there's an opportunity there. Who am I to teach the solution there is to, to serve those that are a few steps behind us. And you know what? I don't think, I, I, this is pretty brilliant, Nicola. I don't think I've ever heard anyone address this particular apprehension or question in our industry in, in the couple of decades that I've been in it in this this clear manner. It's there is There is such an apprehension that photographers have that they are not, quote, good enough. And the reality is there is always somebody that isn't quite as far along in their career, don't have quite the knowledge base that you do. And there's opportunity to be able to share information with them that would be valuable to them. And it really is as simple as that. And I think that's just so brilliantly stated. So major props to you for that. And then wanting it to be perfect, the solution there is it, is that very simply done is better than perfect. And um, mm-hmm. I, I like that we're ending on this because it, it's and it's a reminder for myself. Uh, I have to, to clarify here too, to to just do. There's It's so easy to talk. Um, it's another thing to do. And I actually have, um, I, I created this, this list of what we just very simply call rules for life, uh, for myself and my two kids. Um, and I, and I've got th- this list on our refrigerator and one of those things, uh, or one of those talking points there on that list is the significance of doing it's easy to talk. It's another thing to go do it. It may not be yes. perfect right away, but the reality is that if we just do, we have the opportunity to potentially even lead in the market by offering the service that's unique and we can work out the quirks and 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 tweak little things here and there, make it better ultimately. But we need to we need to start at some point. And and if mm. if we're waiting for it to be perfect, we're literally never going to get started. So true. One of, one of my favorite quotes, Nathan, you might like is, "Everything is waiting for you on the other side of consistency." Yes. And I think when I when I hear that, I'm like, it can be applied to like health, exercise, business you know, everything. I'm actually, I just love that phrase. I, or that quote, I tell myself it all the time. Um, and it's a bit similar to what you were saying about doing, just do it. <laughs> just, just do it. I, I, this is, that's wonderful. I'm going to literally add it to my list of, I have a, a favorite document and in, in Evernote. I've used Evernote forever and it's a quotes document. And that is getting, that's going to go to the very top of the list. As soon as we get off this call here, that's, I love that. Everything is waiting for you on the other side of consistency. Beautiful. Well, I, I love it too. That's a lovely way to, to kind of finish our conversation <laughs> off. I, I really appreciate you making time to no, share with me and awesome. with our listeners and, and uh, just to kind of let the conversation flow where it may. I think that that was really wonderful too. Just remind our listeners um, how they can find you online, how they can follow you online, maybe even learn a little bit more about your coaching. Because in this case, if they're curious to to maybe take that leap, take that step and begin selling some of these products, they may have questions. They may need some help. Thank you. Well, obviously I've loved being on the podcast. I've listened to it for a really long time. So it is really an honor. Um, so nicoladixon.co is is my kind of education website. Um, I've got two courses out, creating digital product and launching a digital product, uh, which actually come out tomorrow. No idea when this is going to wear, but they, they're launched on uh, November the 10th. They're really, hopefully reasonable price point. So, you know, non-scary entry. And yeah, I'm Nicola Dixon Photography on Instagram and the podcast is Learn to Launch. So, you know, even if they just listen to the podcast and feel inspired to go perhaps like 
dip their water in creating a, a digital product. But I've really loved being on the show, Nathan. Oh, well, and again, it's been a privilege. I really appreciate you making the time to share with our listeners and, and, and being willing to to answer the questions when I played a little bit of devil's advocate too. I think that's lovely. I think it's it's great to encourage our listeners to kind of think uh, analytically when it comes to some of these these issues, these topics, and especially when it comes to creating additional streams of revenue. There's really great opportunity. We need to think about the principles underlying how to do so successfully. I really appreciate you sharing those principles with our listeners today. Everybody, make sure you go check out the show notes, bocapodcast.com. We'll have all this information, all the talking points there. And I hope you have an absolutely wonderful day. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.